Welcome to episode 7 of Blue Jays Happy Hour. I'm Nick Ashbourne. I'm joined as always by Andrew Stoughton. And since the last time we talked, the Blue Jays have gone 2-4, and four, which could be considered concerning. But, Stoughton, do you think that it's really something to worry about or just a matter of the White Sox in particular being really good and the Astros being pretty damn good as well? I mean, I think that's definitely part of it. I, I think we... You know, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but there are definitely some cracks in, in parts of the roster that that need to be uh, fixed somehow or other. Um, you know, the bullpen has become a bit of a concern. Uh, we saw, you know, you know, we've seen some changes in the catching front, uh, but overall, I mean, there's still, yeah, I, I think that that largely it is due to the fact that the White Sox and the the Astros are are, are very good teams. That's probably uh, the biggest factor in why uh, it hasn't been the most fun week. The thing that stood out to me watching these games, and you know, some of the pitching performances weren't great. Like you mentioned, the bullpen's become a concern, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But just watching the bottom of this lineup come up and just having no faith that anything's going to happen. Like from Semyon to Grichuk, that is those five guys are doing really well. And then you get Panic as your sixth hitter way too consistently, and I know that has to do with injuries, but even when guys are injured, this is one of the worst hitters in the league over the last four years, slotting in six. Gurriel's heating up actually a little bit at seven, and then Telez and whoever's catching, that's a huge chunk of your lineup that is consistently sort of throwing away innings, and you're you're kind of... You know, you're waiting around for that top of the order to come back up before you feel like anything's going to happen. And that really contributed to the offense running out of steam this week. Yeah, it absolutely did. It absolutely did. And, you know, Springer coming back, which he, you know, hopefully is very, very imminent. It, it seems like it. We get his running updates every damn day. Um, He's still running. It turns he can out do he it. Can, yeah. I, 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 I guess they just they want to be very clear, like unlike last time, maybe that they're that you know about what's going on. Just okay, yeah, he's been running a lot. See everybody, he's training he's for the Olympics at this point. Yeah, basically, but like that will help lengthen the lineup, obviously. Uh, but yeah, the bench is uh, is another definite issue, um, and you know you talk about panic, and you're not wrong, but also. Uh, you know, he's actually been, been some, okay. <laughs> yeah, but, and then there's been so the, the the he's replacing Kevin Biggio, so that's depending on what you think of him, not not going to be a gigantic upgrade. Or you know, I mean, to his credit, he's been better in the past. I, I will I will take Biggio over Panic, obviously, but uh, you know, there are question marks there as well. Uh, just getting nothing out of their their left-handed hitters. Um, yeah, it, it's not it's not been great. They have some very interesting talent down on the farm, but I don't there that that I think is really a big an interesting sort of big picture question, right? Like where where they are and where you know clearly they've pushed some development paths forward in service of the big league team. Uh, you know, like in ways that they definitely wouldn't have in 2018, 2019 if, you know, Alec Manoa was pitching the way that he he was in the minors. He probably still would be there if this team didn't have you know, aspirations of actually like making the playoffs and, and potentially winning the division, which, you know, uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and, but there's definitely a ton of, a ton more talent. Uh, but I don't, you know, I, I don't know how they balance the, you know, the develop, the long-term development and, 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 and the you know, winning now, obviously winning now is going to be a really important thing for them. 
You don't spend a ton of money on Springer and Ryu if you're not going to. And Ryu is getting older. And you wrote a thing about about how Ryu's season's going. And I got uh, to be the villain of Blue Jays Twitter for a day. That was pretty fun. <laughs> just, just a brief note on that. Uh, I don't think people necessarily know how the mechanics of that work. I didn't intend to drop two negative pieces within an hour of each other when I set out uh, to start the week. But when you're writing on a freelance basis, one, you don't control necessarily which pitches get taken up. So there might have been things I wanted to write that didn't get written. And then secondly, you don't control the timing either because other you know publications have their own calendar for it. And I know that I'm boring the audience already. But the point is that <laughs> the idea wasn't, oh, I'm going to drop two things that disappoints people right in the middle of the day. It's just kind of how it came together. So I decided to lean into the, you know, the heel turn there on the second <laughs> one. But it's pretty funny how that all came together. And I got to relive some of my negative Nick moments. <laughs> but uh, but also i mean especially in the first inning there last night uh uh ryu de- ryu delivered on your promise of him uh of him falling apart but uh but but like but you know there a lot of a lot of what ails the blue jays could theoretically be uh be helped by you know pushing nate pearson to the bullpen which is something i joked about and i don't think they're really ever going to do or not ever but are, they're not about to do this this year or you know Thinking about some of the talent that's in Double A or even in Triple A, you know Kevin Smith's having a nice year. Uh, Gabriel Moreno is a guy that everybody's talking about and is getting uh, a ton of like prospect hype in the greater prospect industry, not just you know among Jays fans. And uh, obviously Martin and Groshans are, are in Double A, and there are guys who are close who you kind of like you look at them and you think, okay, well we're not getting a ton out of the bench. You're not going to bring those guys up to do that, is the thing. Uh, but it, it, I don't know. It, it's it's small consolation to be like, well, they're closer to having internal solutions to these problems than than they would be. They would have been in other years. Uh, that doesn't really, you know, make the connection between them and, and getting help to the big league team. But uh, as the season progresses, that may be, you know, those options may be more open to the or the Jays may be more open to pursuing those options. Um, but for the time being, yeah, it, it's a, they're in a weird place where. Uh, they can't. They can't go offering a ton in trade. Not a lot of trades are getting ha- are, are happening right now. Anyway, there's not a lot of teams that are giving up. And uh, you know, obviously, adding a nice a nice reliever would be very nice. Uh, but it, it, it's tough to do at this time of year. And so they kind of just have to muddle through with their internal options and hope things get better. And hopefully, that's the case. Hopefully, Chatwood is turning a corner and. Uh, and all that, but yeah, they're in a they're in a weird spot, and their roster just right now, especially with the injuries, isn't uh, it doesn't look as good as the Astros or the White Sox, for example. No, definitely not. Particularly the White Sox, who are actually yeah. like an incredible team. Yeah. You know, as you mentioned, sort of the internal options you have right now are the injury guys. You know, it's Springer coming back. You know, he can run, so maybe he can play defense. We're sure, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's Biggio. That's really what you're getting for now. And those other guys you mentioned, maybe a little bit later, but at the end of the day, especially when I think about Martin and Groshans, like these are guys that just missed out on a crucial year of minor league development, sort of then double down and push them. Like that's really tough. And Martin in particular, he's got some superficially decent stats, but 
not a ton of power yet and some of his on base is being juiced by being hit which is not what you want um him and those guys i don't necessarily see them as difference makers moreno is the interesting case and i wanted to get to the catching situation now because for a long time the blue jays had kind of nobody for catchers and right now it might be the situation where the old football cliche is if you have two quarterbacks you have no quarterbacks which i don't think is really true at all but that's what they say the Blue Jays catching situation literally has five names in it at this point. It's got Danny Jansen, Reese McGuire, Riley Adams, Gabriel Moreno, and Alejandro Kirk. And you've got a couple of injuries there. You've got Moreno who still probably has to do something at AAA before he gets moved up from AA, but maybe not considering what they did with Kirk. What is going on with the Blue Jays catching situation at the moment? <laughs> and what would you want to see happen? I think the one thing is that Jansen is injured, and there's a fairly decent chance that he's never the definitive starter again at this point. Like, there's so many names in the mix, and he's performed so poorly offensively that it's hard for him to come back and the Blue Jays to say, yes, Jansen is basically the answer. Yeah, and we were already kind of seeing that before the injury, right? Like, you know, Reese McGuire was getting a bit more of the share. Um which is just a damning of Danny Jansen that he would be losing playing time to Reese McGuire. Because uh, McGuire is fine. You know, McGuire is... Fine McGuire would be is, an overstatement. Yeah, probably. I mean, McGuire... To me, McGuire and, like, Juan Gratterall, who's in AAA, there's not a whole lot of daylight between those two. It's just McGuire happens to be you know, closer to being having been a prospect and younger, but, like, he's... You feel one of those matters guys if will... you're going to get better. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. fact he's younger doesn't make a <laughs> yeah. difference if there isn't more progression for him to have. And I just don't really see the road to that progression. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. I think that there's, yeah. It, it, he is what he is at this point. And, and the sad thing is, I mean, Jansen, I, to answer your question, you know, I would love to just see D- Danny Jansen come and hit like the guy that he was kind of supposed to be, which was, you know, a decent hitter for a catcher, which is somebody who you can put in your lineup and isn't great, but is okay. Uh, and he hasn't been that, and obviously that has left them in a weird spot. Kirk's injury is another thing. He's not eligible until July 2nd, but he sounds like you know, he's making progress. That still confused me that they put him on the 60-day. They really needed the roster spot, I guess, but that seemed a little bit... Not uh, enough to, you know, ice out the guy who's probably your best option at catcher. Yeah, I... I, I I still wonder what, you know, because, look, I don't know what his actual status is, whether he can squat, because obviously it was a hip injury and it was not a great injury, but, like, you know, that's that's obviously important for a catcher, so the fact that maybe he's taking batting practice isn't, it doesn't tell us a ton, but it definitely felt like, like, if he comes, if he comes off the first day that he was eligible, then it, it, it will feel weird that they felt the need to put him on the aisle for that long, especially because the reports we were hearing kind of jive with where he's at, I think, which was like five, six weeks from the injury. Um, so, Kirk, I mean, Kirk will Kirk will be a potential difference maker and, and you know, maybe more than just a placeholder until Moreno gets back. And, and then we have Riley Adams, who, you know, uh, after a couple games, we were like, oh, real com- looks real comfortable back there, uh, you know, better than I thought with the glove maybe. Uh, and then the bat, he looks, you know, he takes some good at bats and, and he, he hit the ball hard. Uh, the defensive reviews have not exactly gotten better after last night. Uh, I think the, the receiving was, was definitely questioned on, on the broadcast and on Twitter. But 
you know, give give him a shot, but that is kind of where you're at, where you're just like, okay, throwing things at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, I mean, Riley Adams is a guy with an interesting characteristic. His interesting yeah. <laughs> characteristic is that he can hit the ball really hard and really far. And when it comes to hitters, it's just so much harder to make those snap judgments from a scouting perspective. To be fair, I was impressed with that at bat he took on Wednesday where he took that walk after the protracted at bat. He fouled off some pitches. That wasn't what I was expecting to see from him. I was expecting to see Mike Zanino with worse defense. And that might ultimately <laughs> be what he is. But, you know, when he hits that ball, you know, really hard against the wall in center field, like that's great. But when you're evaluating position players, it's all about what can a guy do consistently. And there just isn't much evidence in his track record, other than, you know, a great start at AAA this year, that he can do that power hitting consistently enough to make up for other holes in his game. So he's not a guy I put a lot of faith in, but the situation is so dire that giving him a couple more games than you thought you might because your alternative is Reese McGuire isn't the worst idea to me. Like, see if he can get hot, hit a couple home runs, provide a little bit in the bottom of the lineup that McGuire isn't. That's not a crazy idea to me. I just would say, you know, don't hold out too much hope for that scenario being one that carries you anywhere. Yeah. But like I said, when your alternatives are, are so shit, to be honest, um, it opens up your mind to the idea of trying things you don't even necessarily expect to work. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true and correct and, and, and probably what we're going to see, right? I mean, I think that uh, the opportunity for Adams is there and you know, ask Danny Jansen. Those don't those those don't last forever. Uh, so he really needs to sort of hit and and and, and look the part in, in Jansen's absence. Uh, and then I guess and yeah, we'll see from there. I was talking somebody somebody forwarded me something or, or pe- people are, people seem to really believe in in Moreno is the thing. Like maybe not right like right now, but uh, but in terms of like maybe reaching the big leagues later this year, like that's not. I don't think that's out of the question. I think that there are people out there who who think that, and I know he's a guy that, you know, just up and down the organization they've really, really liked for a long time. Like the, 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 the world catching on and his production sort of starting to match what their internal assessment of him is, uh, is new. Uh, but they've always really, really liked him and, and and probably seen him as the future, even as you know, and Alejandro Kirk was rising and became, you know, a, a, a meme last year. Uh, and he'll help too when he gets back. You know, it's still a long, you know, three weeks or so, probably more than three weeks uh, uh, before he's back. Um, so yeah, it's it's Riley Adams' time to shine. It would be nice to see a, a, a you know, like a Reese McGuire in 2018 or whatever, the, whatever the first year he came up, where people thought he was a real hitter because he had like 35 good games. I mean, that's that that's kind of where we're at. We're like, let's 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 just get a nice mirage for a few weeks, maybe. Because uh, they haven't had a lot of that uh, outside, you know. Outside, the good guys have been good, and the bad guys have not been fooling you into thinking that they're good. Yeah, and and the Blue Jays are one of those teams, kind of on the edge of the playoff hunt. Even fully healthy, they're more of a wild card contender. So you kind of need some of those fringe guys to perform better than expectations, and they haven't had a lot of that. They've had a little bit of that in the bullpen, but they haven't really had that as much from the rotation. They haven't had that as much from the lineup. Like you said, the good guys have been good. Some of the starters have actually surprised in a more genuine way. Robbie Ray, you know, has been outstanding his last couple of starts. He's added like a mile and a half on the slider all of a sudden, and he's just back footing every right-handed hitter. 
Um, so he looks better even than he did when I thought his performance was maybe a bit more of a mirage. But we haven't had those guys, that replacement level guy off the street or AAA who didn't really expect to be anything, show up and give you two or three good weeks, even if the chances are they're going to you know, fade into obscurity afterwards. And the Blue Jays could really use that right now. <laughs> They sure could, yeah. Where, where can Juan Inglet Francisco would be right nice. now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or actually, well, we know where Juan Francisco was. He's just he's played for the DR in the uh, the Olympic qualifying tournament, uh, which was a nice little distraction. Uh, I think probably happening. I don't. Know, I don't know when it ended. If it ended before <laughs> or after the last time we talked, we haven't talked much about it though. Yeah, it's it's just not gonna crack. Uh, I think into the podcast lineup here. The the DRs, you know, it's Probably a great not. great country to follow. <laughs> a lot of former Blue Jays stories, but uh, you know, this is a it's a tight podcast. We we usually come in under an hour. There's only so much time. Um, one thing I did want to do is get into the bullpen a little bit more, and I think one way to do this is just to kind of put our managing hats on because that's one of the most fun parts about man uh, about watching and analyzing baseball is just doing some backseat managing and the way i want to do that i'm going to go down the list of everyone who's on the active roster right now obviously we all know that this podcast has a profound curse on it and that some of these people will be injured by the time you hear the <laughs> podcast oh, God. but right now as we record these are the relievers on the blue jays active roster i'm going to go down through them one by one and all i want is just a gut check trust level so out of 10 how much do you trust pitcher x i'm going to start at the top jordan romano which is a little bit of drama right now because of kind of speculation about his finger but where's your trust level with jordan romano i mean relative to relative to this bullpen it's a 10 relative to everyone else it's a 10 i will say i mean in the league-wide context, maybe it's an eight or nine, but yeah. He's, yeah, I think we're gonna uh, go league-wide. I don't think you can credit Romano with a ten. Right now. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I'll still, I mean, I, I'd still put him on at like a nine, and that's I, I think I, I'm comfortable, even despite whatever just happened with the finger. Uh, pretty much any situation, uh, if you need if you need outs, he is a very very good option. Yeah, I think that he's a very he's a legit. MLB high leverage bullpen arm. You know, he would be a fit in any bullpen in the league. Anyone would be happy to have him. He's got elite stuff. Yeah, I'll give it the eight, uh, maybe a finger discount, maybe a bit of a control discount because he can lose that at times. Uh, this, I mean, this might be the most interesting one, which is Rafael Dolis. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely, if I gave Romano a nine, I mean, Dolis. You know, I, 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 I'm sort of at like a six and a half on him. So if we're not doing halves, I can bump it up to a seven. But it's, Let, it's... Yeah, let's let's make some halves in. We, if, we, <laughs> if we do whole numbers, it's going to be too repetitive. So let's get okay. Well, it. well then, yeah, I feel because he, you know, he generally gets the job done. He's been good in the, you know, last year he was good. I can't say good in the past because it was sixty games. Uh, but we've seen enough that he is a he's a pretty decent reliever. He's fine. On a good team, like what I think, like okay, well, where, what are the innings he gets if he's in the White Sox bullpen, and uh, they're they're different than the usage that he gets yeah. for the Jays. I think he's the guy in a good bullpen who's finishing out the ninth inning in games you're winning by four, and then he's pitching 
the sixth inning in games you're down by one. Like, you're okay with having him pitch in competitive games, but you're not necessarily going to gift him uh, tight margins for leads or too many tied games if you can avoid it. I do, I, I'd like him at a seven. Like you said, it, the actual end result is he generally gets the job done. We know that he can miss a ton of bats which is helpful. We also know that he walks a ton of guys. So he's not someone I want to bring on when runners are already on base, but giving him a clean inning and let him work around the inevitable walk, uh, that tends to work out okay. So I I would give him a seven there. I feel like he's probably higher in Charlie Montoyo's heart than that. Montoyo seems to believe in him strongly. Uh, Anthony Castro. You know... A five, a solid five. Uh, I think it could go either way with him. Um, both like ent- anytime he enters the game, though he's you know he's pitched really quite well, quite often. Um, but the trust for me is not there yet. I I'm very opposite. I'm a big Castro wow. guy. I mentioned that last week. I'd give him a seven point five. I think that Woo! that slider is truly nasty. Uh, his velocity actually spiked in his last outing. He can get that fastball up into the 96 range fairly consistently. And I just think that breaking ball is something special. And I I mean, is he an elite high leverage guy? I don't think so. But does he have a does he have a role in a good team's bullpen? Yes. Not necessarily a huge role, but he does. He could pitch for a good team and perform well for them. The Blue Jays need him, you know, more than you probably want to lean on a guy of his ilk. But at the same time, he's got that qu- quite a special breaking pitch. He throws hard. He has had a couple wobbly outings, but at the end of the day, so far has given them more reason to trust him than not. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um... Would love to believe that. I'm not. I'm not as trusting yet. But you're right. The raw stuff does look does look pretty good. It looks like it should play. Tim Mesa. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's not what Mesa backers want to hear. Pause. <laughs> dot dot dot. Okay. <laughs> dot dot dot. I. You know. It. 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 It is. It is come and gone for him a little bit. But lately, it's been stronger. Right. Um. Uh, you know, he made he pitched his way onto the team for a reason. Like he pitched really well. Uh, they didn't have to bring him up, and they and yet they did. I mean, they would have inevitably had to anyway, given what's happening injury wise. But I, I could put like a I could put like a, a a six on him, six and a half maybe. Wow. Okay. Six. That's a, that's pretty big for a guy with a six eleven ERA. To be fair, yeah. ERA yeah. not a great measure for relievers a lot of the time. Uh, and his other stuff is much better than that. His kind of expected ERA, 333, FIP, 377. So he's a guy who's probably performed worse than those things should indicate. You know, left-hander throwing 94, breaking stuff is all right. For me, he's interchangeable with a lot of other left-handers you'd see out there in the league. Like Ryan Barucki is a step above where his stuff is pretty interesting and pretty compelling. I think there are a lot of Tim Mazes walking around. So I I would give him like a 5 or 5-5. No, don't have a particular grade on. I'm I'm glad to see there's some disparity though 
you know, if we were just rocking exactly identical grades, this wouldn't be as fun. <laughs> That's Tyler, true. Tyler, I, now you've made me question my Anthony Castro grade. I should have been higher on it, but that's fair. Tyler Chatwood. This one is another one where you could see a disparity. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I just I'm trying to like figure out how much recency bias I need to build into my answers uh, because because obviously uh, Chatwood hit a pretty big wobble there. Uh, and I don't think it's clear yet that he's fully out of it. But I'm, I, right, I, right now I have him at like a seven. I would say I'm, I'm, I believe in him. I guess, but the pause tells you something about the, my, my lack of belief in him. Um, but also like they have to, you know, they they don't have anyone else, so they gotta they gotta try to work their way through this. And 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 I, I'm. I feel good when they, you know, if the next time they bring him in in a higher leverage spot, which they're going to do, they're going to keep cranking up the leverage for him, I'm sure. Uh, still feel pretty good about it. So, Like you, I would describe myself as a Chatwood bull. I, you know, he did hit a pretty significant wobble there. He did lose the strike zone, which is something that's happened to him in his career, um, relatively consistently, to be honest. But yeah. the cutter and the sinker are really good pitches, especially that cutter. He's changed his approach. He was good last year, even though the ERA didn't show it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's possible for a lot of relievers to just have a couple outings where they sort of lose their mechanics and their command. But I'm happy to believe in stuff when in doubt, so I'd give him a, a 7. Trent Thornton out of the bullpen. Uh, yeah, out of the bullpen. We're, this I is think the, the Jays drags. really like him. Yeah, I, the Jays like him, right? And, and clearly, like we, you know, we've seen just based on usage and some of the stuff. Uh, we're going back a few weeks. So I'm thinking of like Pete Walker talking about how much he really liked the Thornton in a bullpen role and how he embraced the mentality of it, and that sort of fits him well. Uh, but man, he's just a guy who. And this is something that I noted, you know, I've I've written about a bunch of times, or like, you know, it's it's always an aside when I'm writing about Thornton. It's just how good he was a lot in uh, in 2019, and just like how there was just a huge disparity between like he was good in a ton of starts and he was garbage in a bunch of starts too. And like the it wasn't like it wasn't like he was always mediocre. It was one extreme or the other, and that for me is not. You know that, that that's not necessarily how everything Trent Thornton has to go, uh, but that's sort of the the pattern that I feel I've started recognizing with him, and to me that makes him a poor choice for a reliever, especially in high leverage spots, because it can just go so sideways on him, uh, as we have seen this week. Um, so yeah, he is. He's like a. I mean, yeah. I, now I'm sort of thinking about Castro, who I gave a five, which should have been higher. I, I, he's like a five and a half for me, and then with my revised Castro, that that makes more sense. I'll push Castro up a little bit. I'm gonna push Thornton low, quite low. <laughs> Thornton has yeah. disappointed me, quite, for not personally. I, I've had dealings with him. I've found him to be a very charming young man, but. Uh, as a reliever, <laughs> there is always this talk that, okay, well, he's going to be a starter, and if that doesn't work out, he'll be this weapon out of the bullpen. That's something he did as the Arizona Fall League. Um, he was really good for Houston then, and that's when the Blue Jays got him. I believe he did some relief in college as well. 
So there was always this expectation that his stuff would tick up out of the bullpen. And it really hasn't. Like he, no. he kind of looks like the same guy he was as a starter, but out of the bullpen and kind of higher leverage spots. The velocity is, is, you know, it's below average for a reliever. He's got the high spin curveball, but it, you know, it falls out of the zone and isn't competitive a lot of the time. He's one of those guys who doesn't really have pitches to get guys out as much in the strike zone. He kind of needs them to chase, which is one of the reasons why he's shown that inconsistency. So he's got that ERA right now, 345. The expected ERA is 531. And, you know, he's getting hit pretty hard. I'm not sure I believe in the stuff. So I'm going to – I'd put that at a 4.5, which that sounds like a failing grade, but it just more means that I don't – trust him and and I don't think that you know maybe as more of a long reliever soak up some innings guys guy he could work for me but as a one inning guy in relatively big spots it just doesn't seem like a good fit right now yeah that that makes sense I'm now I'm now realizing I'm now remembering what his uh what his baseball savant page looks like and uh it's not great yeah, I feel my former podcast co-host called it suboptimal in a tweet mm-hmm. this week, um, which is accurate. Okay, so now we've got three of the sort of straight-up, off-the-street waiver free agent guys. Castro fit that mold as well, but he got bumped up in the discussion kind of based on what he's done. Carl Edwards Jr. <sighs> okay. I wanted to believe. I, d- I did and do but I think don't. He's like, uh, uh, yeah, he just, he looks like the guy that he is, which is just a guy who's, whose path is going to be on the waiver wire until he gets hot for somebody. Um, the stuff I don't, I, you know, I don't dislike, but yeah, for the, just, it, just purely on trust, right? You know, it's like a four right now. I have a hard time disagreeing with that. You know, watching yeah. him pitch, there's just nothing that stands out other than the fact that he's super spindly physically. That stands out. But in terms of what's coming sure. out of his hand, uh, yeah. nothing in particular. You know, he, he's throwing 94, which is fine. And he's throwing a curveball. And the curveball is kind of fine, too, and not necessarily well commanded. So it's just, it's hard to recommend. There's nothing exciting about what he's doing. It is, you know, he's the kind of guy, it's not pure junk. He's the kind of guy who could conceivably get hot, but there's no specific reason to believe in him. And he hasn't performed at a level uh, that's been good that you'd want to, you know, put your faith that he is running particularly well right now. It's just, it just is. He kind of is out there existing, and for that, he yeah. gets a four. Yeah, and if I, if I'm being honest, like if the if if he had a different name, if he wasn't someone I recognized from you know the good years that he did have, uh, I'd probably rank him about the same. Which I think uh, you know I think we're you know we're, we're we are we're not we're not giving him a bump based on his name. Yeah, uh, but I definitely wanted to when he first arrived. It was like, oh, that's there's a guy who can get guys out we've seen it before but he doesn't feel like the the same kind of guy no the the shine of the success he had with the cubs is uh well and truly off at this point Mm -hmm. 
like you said, there's the one, there's the dopamine hit of seeing his name <laughs> on a transaction. And then after that, yeah. you can take a look at what he's done since then. It's not a ton. Okay, moving through. Uh, Joel Pyamps, a little bit more interesting, I think, potentially than uh, some of the other waiver names. Yeah, he's, I mean, he, for a guy who throws that hard, he does, he just, he doesn't have an out pitch, right? Like he doesn't get enough strikeouts and also doesn't, you know, I can accept that. Maybe maybe the game's just different. Maybe it's fine now. I don't know. But like I could accept that if like the ground ball rates were really high like that. Like that's a thing. But I, I, don't, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know what it is that, that makes it work. But so far it's worked. But clearly that means I'm not like especially trusting of it. Um. And I think that, you know, I, like, I, just again, like thinking about other bullpens and where he would fit, like he, he's, I think he could be a useful guy. He has been for the Jays, but, and just based on where they are right now, he should be getting some looks and some, in some like higher leverage spots. I'm not real happy about it. I'm, I guess I'm going to put him at like a six. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time between 5.5 and 6. I'm also already forgetting what I gave other guys, and I'm trying to be relative. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's call it a 5.5. He does have some interesting movement on some of his pitches. Like you said, he throws hard, but he doesn't get whiffs. He does get soft contact, and this is a very small sample, so it's it's really hard to say, oh, well, in 25 innings, he got some soft contact. But to his credit, he's got the 320 ERA, and then he's got the 3 expected ERA. So it's not pure luck that he's managed to keep runs off the board. And he's got the diverse repertoire with multiple pitches, so he can give you multiple innings. He can maybe even face the same guys more than once. I think he's more useful than he is trustworthy, if that makes sense. Like, there's a lot of utility with you can have him go long, you can have him go short in a less high-leverage spot. He's he feels like the eighth guy in a good bullpen right now. Like he <laughs> he he is useful. He feels like an MLB player, but he's not someone you want to see. Um, you know, he's someone where he'll come in in extra innings because you've used the other guys, and you're like, this could work, but you're not thinking, oh, we're gonna shut it down and win the game here. Yeah, that's um that's fair. It kind of it reminds me a bit of like AJ Cole got used that way last year a bit where it's like he's never been a pitch in a game where there's a save opportunity or we can win but but like as you were saying i forget what you were saying about it before but like you know in a competitive game uh where you're down and it's still early i think we were talking about delise with this yeah. you know pyamps you could do worse than having pyamps in the sixth inning of a game you're, you're down a run or two all right, last guy, Jeremy Beasley, who I have to pull for because he wears my athletic number of my uh, my high school athletic career, but still cling to it. Uh, number 59, uh, God respect wow. it. For me, it was like... What are, a, the, what are the odds? As a... Yeah, I don't get to cheer for these guys in baseball. It was a football number, to be fair. Uh, I don't get to cheer for a lot of baseball players wearing 59, so I like to see it. Uh, that said, Jeremy Beasley, what are we, what are we thinking? Ooh, I mean, I don't, it's not nice to say like zero, but it's, it's not I much higher I don't think he listens. Zero. Yeah, I, I know. I, and look, I don't want it to be zero, like, but, but he is definitely 
you know, <laughs> he's much closer to the waiver wire for me than pitching in any sort of meaningful situation. Like he's uh, that that 40-man spot he is currently occupying, once guys have to start coming off the 60-day, uh, is in trouble. So yeah, I'll I'll be I'll be nice and give him like a two, but that's really pity, and that makes it even worse. <laughs> he wouldn't want your pity. Uh, yeah, I thought it was <laughs> somewhat interesting that he came out and threw kind of higher velocity for this team than he has in the past, and he also has kind of relatively high spin as well. Um, I don't really have anything else positive to say. I, I'll give him a four because that's what I gave Carl Edwards Jr. And I don't think that there's a compelling reason to think he's worse than Carl Edwards Jr. at this point. Um, I, I understand where you're going I wouldn't, there. I wouldn't mind. Yeah, if, if they decide, if one guy had to go and they decide it was Edwards Jr. instead of Beasley, I wouldn't be uh, shocked or think that that was an outrageous move. Yeah, and, and Beasley, you're right, and the, the velocity, it, it, I think it's been... It's been all year because I remember looking at some of his spring training game logs. Uh, the velocity and spin has been up all you know since the start of camp. So for one, that doesn't that means he didn't start using the 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 spider tack uh, when he got to the Jays. He started it in the <laughs> in the off season. Um, Part of the training regimen. Yeah, but the, but those numbers they 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 are very interesting, and that's obviously why he piqued the Jays' interest and why they. Uh, you know they went out and got him, and and uh, when when he became available, I just yeah, I, it would it, it wouldn't shock me. I'm too, I, you know I'm being too low on him on him because I do have absolutely no confidence whatsoever. Uh, you know if he's given an inning to to close out a game or something like that, like he not not doing it for me. Uh, but it wouldn't also shock me if you know if he unlocked something, if something you know if he. Uh, if a small tweak like brought out the best in him, uh, because with this velocity and the spin rate, uh, those are those are things you can at least work with, I guess. All right, so there you go. That's the the full bullpen gut check with a nine man <laughs> bullpen. You don't get that every day. Uh, hopefully, the Blue Jays don't keep that forever. But for now, it's it's where they're at. Um, one thing with the Blue Jays, we have to check in on before we look at the weekend series ahead is Alec Manoa. We had relatively little Alec Manoa content last week, which was very unusual for us. We did touch on him. We did an over-under that involved him. But he had a third start this week, and it felt kind of important because his first start was so good and his second start was so bad. And I think that going into the start, everyone was looking to see him find a level or give an indication of where he was going to go from there. And... The start was definitely more good than bad from where I was sitting, especially against a really good White Sox lineup. Yeah, absolutely. No, he. Uh, I thought it was important as well. I mean, that shows you just how you know not uh, not the sort of path developmentally that you necessarily want if you're the Blue Jays, where it's like whether a guy's going to stick in the majors is hanging on this one start or not. But that's also. You know, you're in a playoff race and, and you need somebody who can contribute, which is why Nate Pearson isn't here. Um, and yeah, I, I thought obviously not as good as the first one, uh, but I thought it was really good. I thought, you know, I, I think that I, I try not to lean on, you know, mentality stuff and stuff that we kind of, you kind of, we don't know. 
Uh, but you know, it felt like it, it felt like, and it feels like he's a guy who uh, is not going to lose his confidence, and is and and you know, even if he loses the strike zone a bit, is going to keep going up there and being competitive and and trying to blow it past guys and uh, has the stuff to make that work. Just because you know, not everybody does. You know, some, uh, uh, not everybody can can throw 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 their fastball and hope it doesn't catch too much of the plate and survive. Uh, but he's, he's able to do that. And I thought that it was, it was a good bounce back for him and a good start to build off of. He's got the Yankees coming up next because they didn't shuffle things around, but then they're then Baltimore and Seattle are coming up, uh, which will be nice. And just, the, I think, I think that it showed that the longer that he, you know, the more that he pitches in the big leagues, the more stuff I think he's going to figure out. And I think it, it made me feel like, yeah, it's going to get better from here. Yeah, it was a bit of a nervous start, and his velocity, which had been down in the second start, and we mentioned before that he was in a couple of you know, the minor league parks, and it's hard to get a pin on exactly what's right, but it was down early um, in the start, and it came back up, and that, that fastball, especially up in the zone or above the zone, really became that swing and miss pitch for him, which is very encouraging, considering that slider has really nasty horizontal movement on it, like he... He's used it to backdoor guys, uh, and he can use it, uh, you know, front foot of right-handed hitters, which isn't isn't necessarily ideal all the time. But you can kind of surprise guys with that, and obviously, he can use it away to righties as well. And my expectation is at the big league level, especially if his velocity is more in the 94 range, that the slider is the big strikeout pitch. But seeing him go and blow away some really good hitters with the high fastball was really encouraging. And yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at the results of start, maybe he could have gotten more strikeouts or whiffs or whatever. He didn't necessarily look dominating, but that is a really, really good lineup. And the opposition you're facing matters. And the fact that he was able to hold them in check is really impressive. And I don't think there's really too much discouraging that you can take away from a start like that because... You know, it's his third major league start. He has m- less minor league experience than most guys, and he's able to handle a lineup like that and do it um, largely on his fastball, which uh, which stood out to me. Yeah, I, I think there was a couple of good changeups at least, which was nice. I don't know if they they all were, but I definitely remember a couple being like, "Okay, yeah, good good changeup there." Uh, <laughs> but that's you know that's still a work in progress. But I, I think yeah, the upper. Uh, the higher stri- strikes with the fastball, the the whiffs he was able to get there, very encouraging. And you know, yeah, he might not be a guy who's going to strike out seventeen like every every twelve innings or whatever he did in Triple A. <laughs> but uh, uh, but I think yeah, there's a there there's the makings of of a very good big league starter there. And like I say, I think I think it will get better the more he repeats the more he gets to get challenged against tough situations and and very good hitters like i think he's uh there's there's still learning and development to do but this is uh and the the, you know, the jays aren't going to say otherwise but the but the last time ross atkins spoke to to reporters on a zoom call was like this is where he needs to be for his development like this is the next step it makes sense that he's here and uh yeah i'm cool with that i'll go along with that uh and hopefully he doesn't have to ever go back down all right, before we get out of here, just a little bit on the weekend series ahead. We got the Red Sox. The Blue Jays are going to miss the Red Sox top two starters, Evaldi and Rodriguez, which is going to be beneficial to them. And it's worth mentioning, you know, the Red Sox starters have these kind of ridiculously low ERAs across the board, but 
talking about trust checks and whatnot, you know, Garrett <laughs> Richards and Martin Perez are just not as good as they've looked. The gap between ERA and expected ERA is above one for each of them. So, you know, Nick Pavetta looks like he's really found something. But when you see those guys coming across the ticker with ERAs in the threes, I don't think that's necessarily intimidating for the Blue Jays. At the same time, is it fair to say, have we gotten deep enough into the season to say the Red Sox are not going away and that this is a longer term problem for the Blue Jays in the AL East? Or are we still early enough that um, that we can project their downfall, I guess? <laughs> yeah, um, I, you know, I don't want to tempt fate and say that they'll 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 fall off. They're definitely more real than I thought they were at the start of the year. Uh, I don't think they're nearly as good as they are, and I feel that it's bad that their fans are having fun. I think their fans don't deserve any fun. I think their front office definitely doesn't deserve any fun. Um, and yet here we are, and I get it. There, there are there are definitely there are some real good hitters there. Like you say, Pavetta looks like he's figured something out. They've got some. They've got a got a little bit more pitching than it appeared, but. Uh, I really still don't. I don't want to believe it, but I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not going to dare say that I think they're they're doomed to to fall apart. Yeah, there, there's more of a foundation <laughs> there. You know, last year there really wasn't, especially on the pitching side, and that, that's kind of how it all tore itself apart for them, is they just couldn't pitch at all. They can pitch this year. They've got some good hitters. They may have entered kind of the same realm of the Blue Jays where they're kind of wild card, better than 500 with significant flaws. They've just gotten off to a hotter start. I think it's probable that the Blue Jays will have a stretch this season as good as what the Red Sox have done so far. Uh, You can always find those arbitrary endpoints. So this might just be the best stretch or one of the best stretches of the Red Sox season. That said... I wouldn't, I wouldn't project them to totally fall off the map, especially with the wins they've banked. But when you face them, I don't think you need to consider them or conceive of them as that scary team the way that you would think when, you're, when your team goes in to face the Rays or the White Sox and you think, oof, I, you know, hopefully we get one and if we're lucky we get a couple breaks, we get two. The Red Sox are a team that you can go in and not have that same level of dread with. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's definitely fair. And the Blue Jays maybe at this point are are the same way. And just to, just thinking about it while you while you were talking there, you know, it's just we're very close. But I would love to see these Blue Jays. You know, in terms of like we're comparing the Red Sox and the Jays right now, the Jays with George Springer say, and like one more reliever. I feel feels feels like a different situation than the Jays right now versus the Red Sox. I think that that's going to. Uh, that could be the thing that sets them on the path towards that streak you're talking about where they they can bank the kind of wins that Boston has already. But Boston has banked them. I'd still, it, it makes me angry to think about it. But the Orioles will yes. also, George Springer and the Orioles, I think, are probably the two biggest factors in what, the Blue, what wins <laughs> the Blue Jays can bank going forward. Yeah. We still haven't seen them. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, got to make good on that is the, is the other thing. It's like we've been talking about it for weeks. Like, oh boy, here come the Orioles. So yeah, Cedric uh, Mullins screw that up. the second legitimate MLB <laughs> MVP candidate. So yeah, you can't take the Orioles too lightly. You do have to win those games, but 
schedule makes a big difference. Unfortunately for the Blue Jays, they're probably having these games against the Red Sox at an inopportune time for them, uh, the way the injuries are. But that's going to happen. You know, it's you place you play your division teams all the time, so you're going to face them when you're at your best and at your worst, and you hope you get a couple wins out of it, which they may do this weekend. Yeah, ideally, ideally. And then, you know, Springer is going to be very soon. Though I did, I was tweeting about this yesterday, looking at the calendar. Uh, the, the the Buffalo slash Trenton Bisons are in Rochester next week, and the Jays are at home in Buffalo at the start of next week. So I'm kind of like, well, that seems real easy for Springer to stay at the, you know, the home base in Buffalo, go play a couple rehab games and and not be, you know, not be too far away from the rest of the team, not have to, like, go off on a separate flight, uh, go across the country. Like, if he'd have gone in a rehab assignment this week, you know, he would be farther apart. I, I, I don't know. That just, maybe that's, they sent Bichio on a rehab assignment to, to, to Trenton, so maybe I'm wrong. But it, that just feels like it lines up real well, and maybe that's, you know, we'll see him coming out of the, uh, uh, the Yankee series to start the week. Yeah, that's some crafty schedule watching. I know I did a radio hit a couple of weeks ago, and they asked me just point blank, when's Springer coming back? And I was like, oh, I could give you an uneducated guess. I can't, or <laughs> like I got nothing. And they, they, they pressed me on it, and I said June 19th, I think. So I'm going to hold to that ludicrous uh, prediction based on nothing and say that that's when we see George Springer. But I have no idea how that lines up with the schedule because it was an extremely uneducated guess. <laughs> We'll leave it there for episode seven of Blue Jays Happy Hour. Appreciate you guys listening, uh, subscribing to the podcast, and continuing to give us ratings. And we will see you next week.